Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And here we go. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Ask not. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Bond. James Bond. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. A date which will live in infamy. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. The people who knock these the Tony goes to Hamilton. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. The force will be with you, always. But you know, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times. We're trying to build a gentler, kinder society. If we all pitch in just a little bit, we're going to get there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Let's Make Sense podcast. My name is Chapman Shainfelt, and I'm here with Jared Anderson and JT Greider. How are you guys this afternoon? Couldn't be better. How are you, JT? I'm doing pretty good. Just hanging out, enjoying the day. Yeah, weather's finally starting to get nice, so it'll be nice to get outside, and especially in this winter of COVID, I feel like even going on walks are a little bit uh, like a luxury now without it being freezing cold, especially with your new puppy. I'm sure you're excited to do that, JT. I definitely cannot wait to get outside and start walking and just enjoying the spring. I'm ready for the cold to be gone and have nice sunny days. Yeah, yeah I think we're, I think we're hopefully there. So that being said, let's, uh, we're just going to go ahead and kind of jump right in. We're going to talk about kind of a, smorgasbord of things uh this afternoon just kind of all over the map with the golden globes to the vaccine to uh politics and some other stuff added on to the end so kind of jumping in like we like to start with each episode we're going to talk about what we're either watching or listening um i'll just go ahead and go first so uh what i've actually started i'm about two and a half episodes in um it's called Bodyguard on Netflix. So I didn't really, I saw this a couple months ago and I didn't really think anything of it. And I was trying to find a show that wasn't weird or like scary of any sort, but had kind of an action, kind of like a 24 vibe. And as I was looking through some stuff, I saw that this show was highly regarded and I looked at it and it's with Richard Madden, who was uh, actually from Game of Thrones, but this show actually aired, I believe it was last year um, or 2019 in England, and it's the top rated show or top watched show of all time uh, for a season um, ever in, in England. And it is dealing with a, a war veteran who is now a 
bodyguard for a high political figure and it just i don't want to give anything away but i mean i'm two and a half episodes in and it's just it's kind of one of those that definitely leaves you on your seat and it kind of came out of nowhere but um i'm watching that and then i also just watched uh, i care a lot uh with rosamund pike um on netflix and that is also really good that's a movie yeah, she was actually just won the Golden Globe for this role. Um, kind of another one of those that was just kind of a surprise out of the blue. Um, she's one of those characters that you love to hate, I guess, because she's kind of that main um, main person in the movie, but she's also kind of the villain. So um, just a lot of mixed emotions while watching that movie, but I definitely, definitely would recommend it. And I've been also watching most of the, nominated movies um that have been either on the golden globes or more than likely going to be oscar contenders so i won't get into all of those but those are just some of the other things i'm watching uh, what about you jared what are you uh listening to or watching yeah so um i've been really with work and school and you know it, it, it's been sort of hard to watch things lately but i've been listening to quite a few podcasts and whatnot um some of my favorites recently have been, I, I just found the TikTok um, podcast. It's hosted by uh, Brittany Bronsky, who's, you know, a famous TikTok star. Um, and so that's called TikTok for you. And like the first episode had Frankie Jonas on it, the, you know, the Jonas brother that no one knows or, and or cares about. Um, then I've been listening to Yang Speaks with Andrew Yang, who is... He's actually running for mayor of New York City right now. And the Megyn Kelly show, um, former Fox anchor, and also the Sarah Silverman show, uh, sort of a, you know, if you don't know her, she's just a raunchy comedian. But um, I've also been watching, when, when I do have some time, I've been watching what's called Mrs. America. And um, it was actually also nominated just for one Golden Globe. Um, but it, it lost, um, and, and it's about this push for, um, feminism and passing the equal rights amendment in the, um, 1970s. So it, it's a super interesting show. Uh, what about you, JT? So I started a new series, um, on Netflix. It's called The Sinner. Um, it's a USA original. There's only three seasons out currently. Um, but it kind of follows a detective going through different murder investigations and kind of the second season really shows his his kind of background. But it's really uh, it's kind of a thriller. And then it it does some foreshadowing and uh, some reminiscing um, throughout the lives of the characters. But I'm really hooked on that. Got through the first season. Seems like what a night. Um, but, yeah, it's really good. We really enjoy that one. But. That's about it for me, though. Yeah, I've heard of that. That that's uh, I've definitely heard of that show, and I've been interested in looking into it. But I feel you said like it was called the, the Sinner. Whole... Yeah, it's the Sinner. Um, three seasons on Netflix, but I huh. highly recommend it for you guys. I'll have to add it to my. I like I was saying. I I think I've got a whole list of shows that I know I should or need to watch based off of what I've heard, but I never know where to start. So I always end up picking something different and kind of pushing them back. But that's what happens when there's just, I feel like a hundred different 
outlets to watch something new and there's always something new coming out that people are talking about so it's impossible to stay up with i guess what's happening but yeah so kind of talking about that we'll go right into the golden globe recap so the golden globes were last night um and just about every award show um that's based around film uh jared jt and i um it's been kind of a yearly tradition but we print out the ballots, fill them out, um, and I'll kind of guess who is going to be the best, I guess, or who's going to have the most um, correct answers. And I feel like it's kind of a streak now because um, I, I did win last night, so I will pride myself on that. Um, I was right behind you, though, with what? I think you had 13 and I had 11, right? So we can congratulate you uh, you as the first loser, um, <laughs> I guess. Is, is, that, is that what you're looking for there? Yes, yes. Wait, this isn't... I thought this was golf and the person with the lowest always wins. Because, I mean, I'd take that every time. If that was the case, then JT, your score would be incredible. <laughs> I'd be perfect record. <laughs> Going off of that, though, we, we, we were in a group text uh, since we're all kind of in different spots right now. So we were texting throughout the whole thing, um, giving our reactions. But we just kind of wrote down some of the things that we thought... Um, kind of pulled some things that uh, either some stats or other things that maybe some news outlets were talking about. But as far as at least my opinion on the Globes, I just thought it was just very, very messy. Um, It was kind of like you're watching a show or movie that is trying to be something, but it doesn't really also doesn't really know what it is supposed to be. So, I mean, there were parts that were very funny. Um, The hosts were great. at Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. And then they had some other instances where Keenan Thompson and um, my Rudolph came out and that was pretty funny. But for the most part, I felt a lot of it was just very bland. Um, the show in general, I think that was partly because most of it was done via zoom um, with all of the people there um, accepting their awards. And then the award speeches, one thing that Callie at least noticed and I did too, and it kind of just kind of got annoying, but, they were actually shorter than the sketches or the skits before the awards itself. So she's like, why are they cutting this person off literally two minutes in when they just had a eight minute sketch that wasn't even funny? Um, So that's, that was kind of my biggest thing about it. And then one thing that I didn't realize until um, right before the show was that I guess the Hollywood Foreign Press has been under fire for the past uh, week. And for those of you who don't know, the Hollywood Foreign Press is a group of individuals um, around the world that were the ones who picked these nominees and are highly, all, all of these people are highly regarded as ter- in terms of um, kind of the film industry. But it came out well, that they no. don't have anyone on their board or any of their group members that are African-American. And obviously, given in a time where most, I think most businesses or companies or organizations are, I, I don't even know, I guess, what to say. I mean, Callie and I were watching the news right before, and she just looked at me. She goes, are you kidding me? And especially when you've seen the past couple of years when there's been so much controversy about there not being any African-American either actors or directors um, nominated that you'd think something would change, but it, the fact that it happened this week too, is just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of, my mind's a little bit blown just hearing that and going into it too. We knew that there was going to be, 
um, an apology or at least a statement from members of the Hollywood foreign press. So before there was some punchlines and some jokes and jabs made from the presenters before, but then about halfway through the show, three members from the Hollywood foreign press came out and kind of gave, in my opinion, kind of a half-assed apology um, and didn't oh, really, yeah. it was they, terrible. They, they didn't say sorry or anything like that. It was more so a, we understand what we've done and who we've included and we're going to work on that. And I don't know, that just put a really bad taste in my mouth. And overall, I think the night was, at least for us, it was kind of a waste of a night. I mean, after the first 30 minutes of the show, I thought it had been about an hour and there was still two and a half hours left of the show. And we were just kind of ready for it to be over and kind of just show the awards and get done with it. But I don't know, Jared, what'd you think of the show? I mean, I know we kind of talked about it, but for those audience members that don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I have varied opinions about it. Um, you know, sort of piggybacking off of, you know, your criticism of the lack of diversity within the Hollywood foreign press. Um, it, it was, you know, it was bizarre to me, but it was particularly bizarre considering how many films were about civil rights and about like, you know, on one hand, I, I think that there was a, an abundance of, you know, diversity as far as the awards go and those nominated. And so it's just sort of bizarre that, you know, it that doesn't transpose over into who was nominated. Then I, I thought it was very awkward um, throughout most of the time. Um, I could tell that they tried to adapt to, you know, the new technology being used because of COVID-19, but, you know, compared to award shows like last year trying to get used to all of this stuff, I would say that they had improved quite a bit, but um, they still had quite a bit of work to do um, using the Zoom and whatnot. You know, there were, there were some times where different celebrities would all be up on the screen on, in their different Zoom boxes, and they were just like, you know, I don't know what they were asked to do, but they would just like say random things to each other, and it's like they weren't they they weren't asked to do anything. They I, they talked about it on the news this morning. Apparently, they just said we're in a group with the other nominees, and that's why it was so awkward. Is because there was no prompt. It was talk to each other. We're going on commercial break. Everybody can hear you. Wilson's dog and everyone was just talking about the dog and I'm like that's just it's just weird but um you know I, I think Shit's Creek got robbed um you know it, it did so well in you know what award ceremony the Emmys I think it you know it, it did so well and it's such a well done show that then it turns around and I think Catherine O'Hara won and I, I think they won best comedy but overall I thought that Dan Levy should have won and um, more people should have won from that show because it really is just stellar and um, in my opinion two people that were not very um, deserving of awards won and you know Jane Fonda won the Cecil B. DeMille award uh, for those that don't know, her nickname is Hanoi Jane uh, for all of her uh, issues regarding the Vietnam War. And um, basically, she, you know, how do I say this nicely? She, 
I'm going to try not to cuss. She's just not a very nice person. Um, you know, turning her backs on our Vietnam troops. Um, and yes, that was 50 years ago, but um, she's sort of still a backstabbing. Sasha Baron Cohen also won, uh, not one, but two awards for his uh, Borat 2 movie. And um, again, we've talked about that in another episode. It, he just was completely undeserving of that. Um, that movie was complete trash and extremely anti-Semitic, among other things. So, but yeah. Uh, what about you, JT? Now, I only got to see bits and pieces of it here and there, but overall, the feeling is very lackluster. Um, didn't really live up to any hype. Uh, I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did a really good job um, for hosting it, even though they were, you know, separated by a continent since they were doing it on the East Coast and the West Coast this year. Um, but I think it was really nice to see the attempt to do the audience that was there was all frontline workers. Um, there was no, no actors in attendance. And I know um, they made a comment about that in the opener that typically the front table was like your big names and Meryl Streep typically sits in the front table, but they sure it was couples um, and frontline workers. So that was really nice to see. But other than that, I mean, I thought it was weird, like on Zoom, they would have uh, the actors and actresses would be in like whatever they wanted, like sweats and t-shirt and hoodies. I, I mean, I get that you're on Zoom, but I think that they should have done, um, at least put forth an effort. Because I mean, you know, you're going to Zoom, but you're going to an award show. I mean, at least look maybe somewhat presentable, but... That's just my opinion for that. But overall, just not very impressed with it. I hope the Oscars do a little better um, to kind of blend what they're doing. Uh, a few highlights of the night. <laughs> uh, Netflix won 10 Globes, which is the most of any distributor. And then also, um, the Mank got nominated for several categories, but ended up going home with nothing like they were the most nominated in the categories and yet didn't get anything out of the night so i don't know yeah yeah no that was that was an odd odd movie i don't i don't think i made it through that entire movie it was i'm not a very big person watching movies in black and white and that was just a bit odd in my opinion but uh kind of going off of that i just i think i'd put on here just kind of a highlight of the night um, if you guys can find one, uh, for me, it was, uh, the late Chadwick Boseman. So for those of you who don't know, he is the actor who plays Black Panther in the Marvel uh, universe. A couple months ago, he passed away due to cancer that most people did not know he had. So it was kind of a shock, but he was actually nominated for, uh, best actor, um, in, in a drama series, in a drama movie and for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, which is a fabulous movie. Um, but he ended up winning the award and to accept his speech was his wife. And it was easily the most emotional part of the night. They kept showing other actors on camera or in person and everybody was into tears. I don't know if Callie was crying or not. I couldn't tell. She wasn't looking at me. Um, but it was, it was very, very, very heartfelt, very, just something you don't see every day. And just to see that an actor 
had touched so many lives um, based off the people that you could tell were affected just by the speech in general was was just very, very cool. So what was your kind of highlight of the night, JT? Yeah, definitely my highlight of the night. Um, I believe her last name's pronounced Jaw, Chloe Jaw. Um, she became the first director of Asian or first first woman director of Asian descent to win a Golden Globe and then only the second woman to win um, the best director award since 1984. And those are the only two. Uh, only two women have won the best director. So I think that's definitely a highlight of the night for me. Um, but what about you, Jared? Uh, yeah, so I, I think you touched on this, but I, I just thought it was very cool to sort of honor the first responders and frontline workers of the, uh, you know, of the COVID-19 pandemic by having some of them in the audience and in attendance. Um, I, I do think that there were some slight jabs from Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, but um, all in all, I, I think that it, that was a cool opportunity. And they also, um, there was a comedy bit where they inter interviewed different people that were on the front lines. And, and I just thought that was, it was entertaining and really, um, you know, it, it was just sort of light and fun during this time of um, things that aren't light and fun, I guess. But um, going into the next topic, um, something I kind of wanted to touch on was the vaccine rollout process for COVID-19. Um, now, I don't believe either of you have received the vaccine yet, but I um, I just received the vaccine this week, which, you know, for those that don't know, it's, um, you know, I didn't just cut the line and get it. Um, I have pre-existing health conditions, which I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, towards the end of the episode. But um, yeah, so I got it this week and you know, I, I've had no symptoms, no, no issues so far. I, I received the Pfizer vaccine. But, um, you know, as we get further and further into 2021, it, they're projecting that hopefully by midsummer, um, all, all of the people that would like to get vaccinated um, will have an opportunity to, um, either from Pfizer or Moderna or, um, you know, Johnson & Johnson just was approved by the FDA. And that that's just a one-time vaccine, unlike the Pfizer and Moderna, which is a two-part um, two vaccination. But, um, you know, the whole process, I thought, you know, I, I thought I, we could just kind of talk about that for, for a minute or two, because it was very interesting. And I'm not sure a lot of people understand how this is working. Uh, so basically, um, I, I registered to get the COVID-19 vaccine. I, I was told multiple times that I wasn't eligible um, despite knowing that I was eligible. Um, and I, I believe that that's been the case for many, many people. Uh, they've, they've tried to register and they've been told that they aren't eligible. Mind you, um, these people are elderly. They're people with uh, cancer or other pre-existing conditions and they just keep on being turned away. Uh, meanwhile, things that you're starting to see in the news is people are, you know, vaccines are either being thrown away in large mass quantities because they aren't being given fast enough or, um, you know, 
they just open it up to anyone, which is actually, ha it happened right after to, or right after I received the vaccine. Uh, I received it at like 2.30 the other day. And at 3 p.m., they were going to just give them out to anyone, anyone that came, um, because not enough people registered. And, you know, so they gave it to anyone. And people all across the country are getting in trouble for giving them out to youth, giving them out to, you know, people that just aren't eligible, period. Um, you know, but I, I rolled up and I, I had not registered for this um, vaccination spot. I rolled up, I gave them my name, and um, within 20, 30 minutes, I was out of there. They didn't ask much information at all, which sort of seemed a little shocking to me. I uh, didn't ask, you know, I'm fairly young looking, and they didn't ask, you know, why are you getting the vaccine? You know, do you have a health issue? Are you even eligible? Are you in the tier to get the vaccine? I, I was just pushed through. Um, so I definitely think that uh, hopefully sometime soon the Biden administration will address some of these issues because, you know, people aren't getting the vaccine that really do need it. Um, but basically, um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of touch on that. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I, I've definitely had um, people explain to me their, their fair share of problems. We've had several people come into the coffee shop and just kind of talk to us just in general. Um, and they've talked about how maybe their grandmother of 96 who can't go on the computer and can't go on at midnight to try to secure a spot at Walgreens or CVS um, can't get it, but other people can. And I know my grandparents, um, as of tomorrow, I believe will have their second shot and they they went for over a week straight, I think, every night at midnight, just clicking and clicking and clicking and trying to get on through uh, Walgreens, I think is what they tried. And they were finally able to make it on, but it's, it's not an easy process. And I don't know, it's, I think there's a better way to go about it um, that they just haven't realized yet. Um, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's too late now to change anything, but at least they can start to make improvements. Um, and I think as more people are going to be in the groups to get it, once it maybe gets down to middle-aged um, men and women who maybe don't have these underlying health conditions, conditions, it's going to be, I think, harder. So I think they've got to figure out something now, while this is probably the smallest group they're going to work with. Um, I think they need to figure it out before it gets to more people, or there's going to be more people to complain about it because you're going to get those people, like I said, that don't have the health conditions that are more, you know, active and put their voices out there than maybe the senior citizens and things like that. And I don't know, I could just, I could not see it ending very well if they don't figure some stuff out really fast. Yeah, no. And, and I don't know how it is, you know, you guys are in Illinois right now, but here in Missouri, I was, you know, welcomed by probably somewhere between 100 and 200 Missouri National Guardsmen. Uh, when I rounded a corner, they were just right there. And I, I went through several different tiers of, you know, talking to these men and women that um, just to try to get to that final step of getting the vaccine. Um, whereas I think in Illinois, they're just sort of, I, I don't really know. I, I, not, I don't I know. Have, yeah, I have not heard that. I'm pretty sure my grandparents just uh, walked into uh, Walgreens. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think there yeah. are any uh, 
troops uh, stationed on the on the roof or anything like that. It, yeah, no, it definitely screamed. Um, you know, it just felt like kind of a movie. You know, driving up and all these, you know, National Guardsmen just you know telling me to go certain ways, and it it was just very surreal. But yeah. Well, just kind of going off of that, um, and you mentioned the Biden administration. We haven't really touched on most of most anything that he's done since he took office. We talked about the, um, and I think the first or second episode we talked about his executive orders. But since then, we haven't really touched on kind of what's been going on. So um, we're just going to touch on two things, and it's they're not they're not good things. I wouldn't say um, it's not like we're trying to, you know find his flaws but i think there's two big things that people just aren't hearing enough of and that's kind of one thing one reason we wanted to make this podcast was to talk about news that maybe you don't hear or don't understand what's happening so one thing that the biden biden administration has been doing um or i guess to kind of put it some history to it um one of trump's big things when he was president was he was criticized for um quote unquote putting kids in cages, which are, which at that time were illegal immigrants. And there were photos um, saying that, oh, Trump is putting these kids in cages um, at the border that come over um, illegally and taking them from their parents, things like that. And actually the, fo- the photo that went viral at the time was actually from the Obama and Biden administration from before, because they had actually been doing the same thing. And it's been something that's been very controversial the past decade as far as what to do with these children that come over with their parents illegally. And recently in the news, um, it's been, it's, it's kind of unfolded that a holding facility for illegal immigrant children in Texas, which is the same holding facility that um, Democrats kind of attacked in 2019 um, or attacked Trump for, uh, was just op- reopened and Biden is now doing the same exact thing that Trump was doing and before him that Obama was doing. So they're actually building another facility because this facility is getting so big. They're building another facility in Florida. That's kind of the overflow. And like I mentioned, these are this holding facility and just the situation in general is something that all these media outlets attack Trump for. Um, NBC, ABC, CNN. Um, I don't know what f- coverage Fox did on it, but pretty much Trump got this big stamp of whatever racist. I mean, kind of, kind of to go along with it, but got all this slack for putting these kids in cages, um, quote unquote, kids in cages. But I guess my question to you guys, and just to kind of think about, is why is no one reporting on this. I mean, I watch the news every single morning. I watch it in the coffee shop. We either watch NBC or ABC just because they, they do differ. But not one station has said anything about this. And Fox News has talked about it. But I think if you look at any, I guess, further left media outlets, no one's talking about it. So why is and I kind of know the question, I kind of know the answer, but I'm curious what you guys have to say is why is um, President Biden not getting the same treatment and attacks that Trump did um, by the mainstream media and by fellow politicians? Why do you guys think that? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to 
Um, you know, I, I guess what we're going to be touching on, um, I, I'm going to dig into Trump here in a few minutes, um, but for right now, let's just say that um, he was an easy target when he was president. Um, he was big, he was loud, said a lot of ugly things. And so it was easy to report on. Um, Biden is, you know, your Uncle Joe. I mean, it, it's easy to not report on some of the stuff he does because, you know, oh, well, he's outside walking with Jill every day and they're just the sweetest couple ever. And I mean, and they play that act really, really well. And I mean, they might actually be that way. I don't really know. In fact, you know, I could see myself sitting down and having a, a perfectly splendid conversation with both of them. But long story short, Trump is easy to attack because Trump attacks others. Biden is not as easy um, to attack or you know to say anything bad about in the game or in the media because he's just a seemingly nice guy. I mean, I guess the easy way to put it is that Democrats are of course going to attack the Republican side and Republicans are going to attack the Democratic side. So, I mean, a lot of these media sources tend to be left-leaning. Um, so they're not going to be reporting on uh, the things that the president is doing. And then your right-leaning ones will, especially now that we have a Democratic president. So they're, of course, going to re be reporting on it. Um, and there's, there's less right-leaning media sources than there are left. Um, but I mean, let's get this straight. This policy that's been in place isn't something new that started with Obama. It's been going on for years since it became a big issue at the border. And I mean, it, it, it's the same thing that happens with, um, in the regular criminal justice system here in the States. If you are driving drunk down the road, and you have a child in the back, you will temporarily be removed from that child and that child will go somewhere else. I mean, makes sense. I mean, the parent is going to be arrested and you are going to be separated from that child. Yeah. So you do just, something. They don't just take the child home. To right. No one. I mean, you're going to be separated. Like it's the same policy. It's a similar policy that's in place. You're not going to be able to be with your kid the whole time. Um, and children are not charged the same way as adults are. So there's going to be different jurisdictions going on there. And with the, with the number of illegal immigrants either here or attempting to cross the border, I mean, there's only a certain amount of places you can put the kids. I mean, as, right. as bad, and it's, I'm not trying to sound bad when you say that, but there's, there's just, there's not, I mean, it's just it's something that is un very very unfortunate that a lot of these kids are put in these situations but i don't know i mean i don't want to say it's something that has to be done but there's somewhere for these these kids will have to go and unfortunately this is until something else is thought of this is where people are putting them and so. i think i think it would be a lot worse if and this is on whoever does it whatever president would do it it would be a lot worse if they just sent them back. 
I mean, at least yeah. whenever you. Well, I mean, you see, I mean, you see a lot of these, a lot of these people, at least from hearing from them, they're leaving because their life is bad or they're in some type of danger or in a, in a, in a hard spot. Um, and they're trying to literally go to a better life. And, and I, and I get it completely. And that, that's part of the reason I feel like you can't just dump these kids back because maybe there was an issue where they were living. Maybe there was known violence in their neighborhood or something like that. Um, well, so I, I think another thing that, you know, JT, you sort of mentioned, but um, I'll, I'll go ahead and just take the, the deep dive. Um, if you're listening, just go to Google and search when were the cages built on the border. Okay. From there, you'll find Yahoo News, USA Today, MSNBC, LA Times, uh, Snopes, Washington Post, um, U.S. News, Washington Examiner. Just right there on the first page. And every single one, Yahoo News, uh, the Obama administration did build the cages, Trump alluded to. USA Today, the facilities were built during the Obama era. Uh, MSNBC, uh, you know, the facilities were built during the Obama years. And, Every single one of these, you know, they were built during the Obama presidency. However, to go back on the, you know, to put a little bit of pressure on the Republicans, this sort of, um, you know, treatment at the border did not start with Obama. It didn't start with Bush. And it didn't start with, you know, Clinton before him. Actually, I believe it started under the Reagan administration. Um, so, you know the glory boy to all the Republicans, uh, your boy started this. Um, so there's both sides are to blame. I mean, both sides have done equally awful things on the border and that's not to make an excuse, but, um, yeah, no, go to, go to, to Google and look it up. It's just right there. Yeah. No, I mean, and the main, the main only reason I brought that up was just because it's, you see it from both sides, like you mentioned, and it's 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 not fair to essentially punish or call out one president, but not the others. And I mean, I, I get it. Trump has said some very bad things and we don't need to get into any of that. But that's that's all I was really trying to get at. But kind of kind of pulling from that. Um, another thing that uh, Biden is currently getting some slack on is his stimulus program uh, one of the big big things that he campaigned on was when he right when he got into the op, into the into office and after he won even at the very beginning of january he said first week people are getting stimulus checks right away and he campaigned on this the whole time um was very very adamant about it and i feel like that really is one thing that swayed a lot of people towards him because some a lot of people were struggling um throughout the end of last year just given everything um, with COVID and being shut down businesses and whatnot, or not being able to work or being let off, the list goes on. And you look now, and he's been in office for more than a month. And has there been a stimulus check passed since he's been there? It's, it's no, right? No. Yeah, yeah, that's a no. Okay, okay. I was just, I was hoping you guys would say it. Actually, okay. <laughs> uh, the answer is no. Um, 
he there hasn't been the last one was right before trump left office i can't remember i think it was twelve hundred dollars or six hundred dollars um but he's promised fourteen hundred dollars and it's it's nowhere to be found so i think what's happening is and it's it's not really even and i think what's happening what's happening is you're seeing democrats and republicans trying to push their own agendas like we've seen the past whatever three or four times um these covid relief stimulus checks have gone out you see things that are pushed like i i don't know if we've mentioned the fish in I, I, we haven't mentioned it, but like one of them, there was fish in the ocean that they were trying to get research on the either Republicans or Democrats. And they were trying to push this with with a stimulus check bill. It, it didn't make any sense. And as of today, which is March 1st, the House has passed a relief legislation and it's in the Senate right now where representatives will more than likely offer several amendments to the bill. And that's just fancy terms for they're going to add their own agenda into this bill and add things that more than likely have nothing to do with stimulus checks or helping people in these scenarios. Um, and then once eventually that gets pushed back and forth, it will be sent to the president and more than likely it will get passed. But we're looking at what could possibly still be a couple of weeks of this push back and forth um, between Republicans and Democrats, because Biden has already said, and I think the Democrats stand with him, is they are not going to push back from this $1,400 as promised. They, they've said they're not going to negotiate it. That's what they want for each American um, who follows, follows under these guidelines. But the big thing that we're looking at, too, is that the Democrats are trying to push the $15 minimum wage, which is something that they've tried to push for a long time now. But they're seeing this as a way to push it, whether it's in this bill or kind of to help push the separate bill along. So once again, like I mentioned, both sides are kind of using this to their advantage and trying to get their agendas passed. Um, while in the meantime, Americans suffer. And really, honestly, there's a lot of people that do need this money and aren't able to get it because a lot of these politicians are kind of being a little, being very, very selfish about it. I mean, did I miss anything, either of you two? No, I don't think so. I do want to say, though, um, and we're not going to dig into this um, because we could do a whole episode just on this. But, you know, with the recent developments uh, in the Middle East, such as airstrikes and whatnot, um, I'm not actually opposed to $15 minimum wage, which is not how I used to be. Um, I used to oppose it. However... Uh, if we could pass the minimum wage and um, make it so that we weren't just, you know, bombing different places abroad, um, maybe not spend that money and save it on, um, you know, that mother that has three children and maybe we can get her $15 minimum wage, I would um, gladly support that um, over some of these other life-altering things. Yeah, I mean, I'm... A small business owner i'm family with small business owners and the fifth i mean and like you mentioned we're not going to get into it we can talk about this on another episode because we could we could go on for probably a whole episode about it but the 15 minute or 15 minimum wage thing is just a lot can happen but i'm not for it by any means 
but at the same time, just because I know what will happen to a small business like mine and how expensive things will get and what we'll have to push prices to. But at the same time, it's like a lot of this other stuff that we're trying to push out money to, whether it's for our country for random things or giving money to other countries, it's, I'd almost rather take the $15 minimum wage compared to some of these other things. So I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot of ways you can look at it, but. Yeah. And Jared touched on the bombing of the countries in the Middle East. And I, I saw on Twitter an interesting um, tweet. Somebody shared two pictures and it's, it's one journalist was, I, one journalist was talking um, about how Trump's bombing, um, I believe it was after Soleimani, was just like horrible and we shouldn't go off and start endless wars. And yet um, he tweeted after Biden just did the recent bombing spree and praised it. Like we need, he was saying like, we need to go out there and stop them before they even get a chance to do anything to us. And I'm on the side of why are we, why are we continuing to prolong endless wars um, where we're sending guys off to go fight and it seems like there's no end in, in sight, like bring them back and move on. It's all, I think it's, it's all a political, political front. Um, just like these stimulus checks, it's all trying to bargain and pull whatever you can get to get your, your agenda across. And ideally for either political side, it's to get voters on their side. So I think it's not, you won't have a bill in Congress that will pass without political jargon on some side or the other. Um, and it's just who's in charge at that time, what what policy is going through. So, yeah. Jared, do you want to talk about the next topic that we have on the docket? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, I don't believe that, you know, either party should go off uh, without criticism. So, uh, you know, we were a little critical of the Democrats and of President Biden. And so I figured that we could talk a little bit about um, CPAC going on this past week. And um, so be a little bit critical of the Republican Party and the conservative movement going on in the United States. Uh, so CPAC, for those that don't know, is the Conservative Political Action Conference. And um, so basically, I believe it started last Thursday um, and it ended... Um, yesterday, which was February 28th, Sunday. And so basically what CPAC is, is it's the largest gathering of conservatives, um, normally on a year to year basis. Um, but you know, this year is particularly interesting because we have a democratic president in the white house. And so this is what they're considering the largest gathering of conservatives or the first largest gathering of conservatives since President Biden has taken office. And, um, you know, during this event, you have several, you know, the best and the brightest of the conservative movement, um, you know, 
you have people that have been conservatives and been Republicans for years and years and years, and then they really try to cater to the future as well. And um, so some of the things that happened at this convention, uh, you know, it was hosted in Orlando, Florida, and they did a straw poll taken at the event that suggested that, you know, those in attendance would support Ted or um, support Donald Trump on the Republican ticket in 2024, um, which, you know, this is a room full of Republicans and conservatives. So it, it was sort of interesting to me that they're, they're all willing to back Trump in 2024, not all of them, but a majority of them. And, um, you know, others that were considered on this poll were people uh, like, you know, former governor Nikki Haley and former ambassador as well. Um, also Rick Scott, uh, former vice president Mike Pence, who um, actually scored the lowest out of almost everyone, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, there was also people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, which, you know, both were, uh, they both supported Trump a lot um, up, up and even after the um, January 6th, you know, overthrow of the Capitol sort of situation. And um, they were still near the bottom of the poll as well. Um, so it, it's sort of an interesting conversation to be had that Donald Trump is still one of the, if not the largest voice of the GOP and conservative movement. And um, that has a lot of people on edge. Um, you know, they, on, in the media, they're talking about a lot of Democrats on edge, but I, I think it really puts a lot of Republicans on edge. Um, I think myself included, um, because I am definitely right-leaning, but I'm not sure whether I myself would support a, um, ticket with Donald Trump on it in 2024. Um, something else that was interesting is he was the second or um, the, the second most voted person in this straw poll was um, Ron DeSantis of Florida, the governor of Florida. Um, and, it, you know, that sort of, all of this has to be taken with a grain of salt because this is a room of, um, you know, largely Floridians, Republicans, and conservatives of Florida, a lot of them. And so, you know, obviously they're going to support the governor of Florida, who is a Republican. But um, basically, Trump closed out CPAC yesterday uh, with his speech that was really anticipated um, by both people that love him and hate him. And I found several um, sort of quotes that made me a little uncomfy um, that was that were said during this speech. Um, for instance, you know, we've been doing a lot of winning uh, was something that he he said multiple times, which, you know, he, he still didn't really say that he lost the 2020 election, albeit he's not in the White House currently. But, um, you know, something else he said was that his, meaning Joe Biden's campaign, was all lies, which, you know, again, if it was all lies, 80 million Americans 
the most for any presidential candidate may have believed those lies if they truly are lies. Um, he also said that COVID-19, or as I call it, the China virus, which at this point, you know, at first I thought it was a little funny, but now it's just kind of like, you know, where is this getting us? How is this helping us? Um, he also said, you know, we won the election twice. I mean, you know, think about it. And then he went on and said that he could win the election a third time in 2024, which again, he lost. Um, so all of this is sort of to say that I, I definitely think that's something that people need to sort of watch out for the next you know, few weeks, few months, and even the next few years while we have a Democrat in the White House. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Demo or how the Republican Party sort of concentrates their focus on whether they continue to back Trump or whether they continue to back other people. Um, again, one of the uh, another bizarre thing was that there was a huge gold statue of Donald Trump and flip flops and you know American flag garb and it was just sort of bizarre. Um, I just thought I'd add that because. I saw it and just kind of, it honestly gave me the heebie-jeebies. I don't want to see any gold statue of a president and, you know, beach wear. And it was just weird. Yeah, that was, that was a little weird. I did see that. Uh, yeah, but, you know, so really, it's just going to be interesting to see, um, you know, there's Republicans even saying that there's this sort of cold civil war going on within the um, Republican Party right now. Who do we back? Who do we support? Uh, you know, we don't like the way the Democrats are doing things, but who do we like? And, um, you know, I know that me personally, uh, in 2024, if I were to vote Republican, um, someone I'd love to see is, and I've said it before, like a Nikki Haley, but she was fairly low on the, on the list because she's come out against Trump, which, um, you know, I'd like to see like a Nikki Haley and a Liz Cheney or someone like that. And, you know, again, Trump actually put out a list of Republicans that we need to keep an eye out for and vote out. And Liz Cheney was on there because she recently spoke out against Trump, um, which sounds very Richard Nixon-esque. You know, for those that don't know, he actually had a hit list of po political people that he hated, even within his own party. And so, you know, Donald Trump has continued to rewrite the presidency and, you know, the post-presidency lifestyle. So a few of my takeaways um, from CPAC, I just saw a few things just in the news kind of this morning and yesterday um, was the gold statue of Donald Trump. So that was definitely very unsettling to see that. Um, I don't think we should be, immortalizing any president in gold or any yes. political figure in gold. And um, it, it's a little disappointing to see in that straw poll that uh, Nikki Haley was towards the bottom. I like you, Jared, and I kind of a fan of her. I think she would do really well. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of surprising that she was towards the bottom, but that's And throughout the whole week, um, one of the, I was watching the Today Show today, and they were showing highlights kind of from it. 
And any time that Donald Trump's name was even mentioned in a speech, there was just a large uproar in the crowd. And they were just going nuts that his name was mentioned. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of through the next few years, especially now that we have, um, is it a, it's a midterm election coming up in 2022. Um, let's kind of see how, how the party shifts and where it kind of goes. And, and even for the Democrats where they shift and kind of go, um, you got some big influence, influential names kind of in the Democrat party to kind of see where they go, um, and what they do. But all in all, I think, well, first off, this was, I do need to mention that this was the first time that Trump has made um, a public appearance and made a speech since the January 6th um, little rally that he had um, before the incident at the Capitol. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, like you said, Jared, it was in Florida. So a lot of Floridians and a lot of people, a lot of, seems like very right leaning Republicans were kind of filling there and making their voices heard. But to kind of close out today, we wanted to bring um, a little bit of an awareness to uh, this month in particular. Um, Jared kind of made a post this morning about it, about the month that's coming up, but we want to talk about organ donation. Um, and I just want to provide a few quick facts and stats for you. Um, and then I'll toss it over to Jared if he wants to talk a little bit about his situation. Um, as of February 2021, there are over 107,000 people on the transplant wait list. Um, every nine minutes, there's a new person that is added to that list. Last year, there were 39,000 transplants performed. Uh, over 80% on the wait list are waiting for kidneys. Uh, each donor can save approximately eight lives, and that includes the heart, two lungs, pancreas, liver, two kidneys, and intestines. Only three in 1,000 people will die in a way that allows transplant. Um, so that's not uh, your diseases and stuff like that aren't counted into it. Um, and then the, the sad fact that I saw um, and maybe kind of stop and think there are 17 people that die each day waiting on a transplant. Um, and these stats are all provided online at a uh, organ donor.gov. So I think that was just a little way to close it. And Jared, if you want to talk for a little bit about. Yeah. Yourself. So, um, so those, those that don't know, I, um, I myself have had, two kidney transplants. Uh, so the month of March is really special for me and my family. Um, like we said, March is the month where we highlight um, kidney disease, kidneys in particular, but, um, you know, organ, uh, you know, organ donation and sort of discussing um, how we can improve um, getting people signed up for um, organ donation and help these people, you know, like JT said, 80% of the wait list for organ donation is um, for kidneys. And so, you know, like I said, I myself have been through this experience. Um, 
a few times now. And so uh, if anyone um, is interested in trying to sign up for an organ, uh, for being an organ donor or um, anything like that, uh, depending on your, the state you're in, you should just be able to search, you know, organ, organ donation and then your state or, you know, life goes on, which is a slogan, uh, life goes on and then your state. So, um, Chapman, if you'd like to close us on up, I think we are yeah, almost no, absolutely. That was a, that was a good episode. Definitely lots of info in there on just a bunch of different things, but I guess that's what happens when you skip a week and don't have an episode, but, uh, Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode and we will definitely try our schedules. Just didn't allow us last week, but definitely try to get an episode out every week. And yeah, so everybody just have a great rest of your week and we will see you next time. Thank you very much.
sea Nessuno ci crede